and welcome to Blue Royalty, a Londoners Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jess Buck Humphreys, joined by Abdullah Abdullah to look back on Sunday's win over Manchester United, a lovely 3-1 win for us. And the good news keeps coming, guys, and I know you will all be as excited to hear this as you were to watch us beat United, but Abdullah is coming to England. I am coming to England. I'm coming to London. I'm actually coming for a holiday next month, but I thought, why not just go and watch some WSL games while we're at it? So, yeah, I'm there next month uh, in the middle of February, hopefully catching Chelsea Man City. Uh, so that would be the game I would love to. And that will be my first Chelsea women's game ever live. So, like, what a game to pick and what a weekend to pick. So I'm I'm excited. Super, super exciting. And yeah, that we were just saying the scheduling's worked out well for you. Uh, it's not worked out well for me because this idiot bought theatre tickets for that night, but they are getting returned. So I have to sort <laughs> that out as well. But everyone, if you see Abdullah at King's Meadow, say hi to him. Yeah, you can come say very, hi to me. Very exciting. Yeah, I'll probably be wrapped up in about 20 layers of clothes because apparently <laughs> it's going to be really cold because I'm not used to it. But you can just find me a hold a sign up, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're quite a recognisable guy. <laughs> I hope so. All right, though. So, yeah, we are going to talk today about the United game. Busy day for me yesterday. Went to this Football Writers Association Award for Emma Hayes, which was very nice. Saw Fran speak, saw Carly Telford speak. Um, had a lovely little evening out. Um, and I was quite pleased because I did think this evening could be really awkward if Chelsea didn't win. But we did, so everyone got to be like happy and chilled out. Um, let's kick off with a three-word match review. Abdullah, I've just gone with the LJ show because the more I reflect on yesterday, the more I'm like, damn, that girl be running Stamford Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. I mean, she was she was insane. Um uh, I will say it's a good question. I'm like I was trying to think about it. I was like I was like what's there? But um, I'll say uh, our keepers. Okay, I can't say our keepers are good because it doesn't make any sense. But I'm gonna say keepers keep on keeping. So that's that's still four words. That's still four. Why don't you go with she's a keeper? Okay, yes, she's a keeper. She's a keeper. <laughs> I don't know, know if that it. makes sense. You know what? It's huh. fine. The Roll idea is she's a keeper. Anna Hampton was an, another really good performance yesterday. And I can see now why, you know, she was bought more so. And you can just see her growing. It. She just feels like she's just been there forever. So, uh, yeah, I really liked uh, Hannah Hampton for me. Really stood out. So, yeah, she's a keep. Yeah, I asked Hayes in the presser about um, Hampton playing. And it, it was really interesting sort of her answer. So we can have a little chat about that as well. So, yes, this was obviously Chelsea's 3-1 win over Man United at Stamford Bridge. 20,000 people there. We're creeping up slowly and steadily from a very low number that started lower than reasons I understand. There was a bed in the ground. Lots of men on Twitter are angry about this for reasons I also don't quite understand. I thought it was funny. Um, anyway, hat-trick for Lauren James, scoring in the 5th, 23rd and 85th minute. Uh, Hayley Ladd did get one back for United in the 43rd minute, which meant the second half was a little nervier, I think, than it needed to be. But we can have a little bit of a chat about why that was. Very interesting lineup here. A lineup that Hayes described as brave, which I think it was. I think it was it was surprising. So 
As we referenced already, Hannah Hampton was in goal, just her second start for Chelsea. The back four of Ashley Lawrence, Kadisha Buchanan, Natalie Bjorn, her first WSL start for us. Uh, Neve Charles, Captain Neve Charles. Uh, midfield trio of Melanie Lloyd-Poltz, Aaron Cuthbert and Lauren James. Johanna Rutting-Kanro on the right, Guru Rice on the left and Mia Fischel up top. What what stood out to you from this lineup, Abdullah? Because there is like actually so much to to dig into on on the, this decision to, to play these players. Yeah, I was extremely surprised when I saw the team lineup. I think for one, it was seeing, I mean, not that I out the quality but Natalie Bjorn in for Jess Carter I think was a big call that's number one especially in a game like this Hannah Hampton in goal again I would have expected AKB to be starting this one and Neve Charles captain was another one that caught me out as well you know just I don't like Aaron Cuthbert or Guru I would have thought maybe you would have picked up the armband but giving it to Neve I think was 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 a big call and I both expected it and didn't expect it, but to see Melanie Leupold start in midfield over Shukunuskin, I think that was a really big move, and uh, we'll talk about it. But I thought I thought it was a, ultimately it was re- ended up being a really good call. So I mean, probably those three four things really stood out. And it's like even though the rest of the team is pretty standard, Ryzen, Casper, Canara, James, Fischel, Lawrence, it just those few changes just kind of rippled and made it feel like it was a lot more changes, but. They they were pretty significant in overall. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Hampton one's really interesting. I think basically AKB is around. She's not been in either of the last two squads, but she's warmed up for both games. So I don't, you know, I think it is a choice sort of to have Musevich and Hampton as the two keepers being used at the moment. Um, Lloyd Potts, I think, was a really really big asset to have back, and I'm really glad to see Lloyd Potts and Cuthbert playing together. I thought especially in the first half, they had a really, really good game. Um, It did surprise me a little bit to see Ashley Lawrence preferred over Eve Perisay again in that right-back slot. Um, Obviously, we saw Perisay play left-back in that West Ham game that Charles was unavailable for, so I thought it was interesting that Ashley Lawrence held on to that. And, um, yeah, I, I'm still not quite sure about sort of that Lawrence Buchanan axes totally agree I thought Natalie Bjorn had had an amazing game and and I guess the other interesting thing which we saw sort of two different versions of in this game is that the Mia official did get that starting starting striker role um and we can we can talk a little bit about that United though they played pretty expected lineup I'd say Skinner likes to stick to his players that he likes doesn't he so Erbs in goal Millie Turner and Maya Letizia at centre-back Hannah Blundell at left back with Jade Riviere on the right I thought Jade Riviere had actually a very good game uh Zella and Ladd uh, with Ella Toon with the midfield. Goldson was on the left. Uh, Luthia Garcia was on the right. And JC was up front. There was no Melvin Mallard uh, in the United squad, which I think was probably a big miss for them. Um, our subs, Nuskan Carter, Kirby, Musevich, Ingle, Perisic, Mielda, Chankovic and Beaver Jones. No Jess Fleming on that bench. Not entirely sure why. What did you make of the way... United lined up Abdullah I know this is a very standard United team but I guess I thought what was interesting and what didn't really work very well was that you know playing sort of Zellerman lads as quite a not negative obviously that's sort of the double pivot they played last season but Skinner had obviously tried to move away from that earlier in the season he's just sort of before Miyazawa was injured was playing her alongside Katie Zellerman some fans are feeling that made United very porous but I also thought they looked quite porous against us anyway yeah, yeah, absolutely. It just it just felt like the solidity that Zellerman Ladd had probably last season when you were coming up against them kind of has has gone away. And I think 
a lot of that is attributed to, I think, my Leticia's form has kind of dipped over last season. I don't think she's playing as well as she did last season, this season. And I think that sort of quartet, that box between Tana, Leticia, Ladd, and Zellum, I don't think is operating as well as it did last season because anything that United did good last season came from a basis of those four. And so I don't necessarily think that it's a Ladd-Zellum double pivot problem per se. I think it's structurally the four of them together aren't functioning as well as they did before. I, I thought I thought Jade Riviere has actually been a really good addition and she's really settling into that right back role. And Hannah Blundell is, is your solid as you get at, at a fullback position. So it's, but then, you know, and and, and kind of historically, Zellum and Ladd are, you know, quote unquote, as you said, like it's the double pivot they play, but they are generally a bit more defensive players. Anyway, Zellum likes to sit back and dictate play from deep. Ladd will run around and give you the energy in midfield to kind of play it back. And it seemed like she was playing the, run a role in midfield as the half went on obviously she scored the goal it was her run into the box that you know kind of showed time and time again she was supporting uh, JC and, and Ella too and so maybe not her most natural position so I think yeah Miyazawa was a huge miss in, in that regard but yeah they, I just don't think they found that balance this season of, of, of defense and attack and so they either play something that's a bit too negative or a bit too offensive and that's where I think people call them porous and yeah, and I think just that's kind of just put them out of whack. So regardless, they're just not looking as 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 solid. And I think for whatever reason, they've just tuned down a notch in terms of they like they they look visibly a tier under City Arsenal and Chelsea, whereas last season they were competing on that level. So I don't think the ups drama has helped. Obviously, Alessia Russo is gone. Uh, a lot of change with JC coming in, uh, Melvin Millard coming in. So there's been a change in attack. So I think those disruptions haven't really helped uh, Skinner and the team. Yeah, definitely. I think there's obviously a lot of debate sort of about how much of this is Skinner's fault, how much of this is sort of the United hierarchy's fault and the level of their squad and their recruitment. Um, I think there are a multitude of different factors going on about this team. But yeah, I think it's, I always felt like last season was like kind of their hot streak season. And I think we're kind of just seeing um, a return to form, which is never beating Chelsea. That actually isn't a return to form. That's just what happens all the time. Um, Let's take a, a break here and then we'll talk about the game itself. So, Abdullah, it was obviously a great start. Um, we scored sort of in the opening five minutes. And I think even from really early on, you could see how passive United felt and also that they were playing quite a high line, which felt very bizarre because there was a lot of space for JRK in particular to run into. Now, I don't think Kanner had actually had her sort of best game in terms of decision-making, even though she was influential and she got the ball a lot. But um, it was quite a strange set up from United it just felt very easy for Chelsea to really play around them I thought again Lloyd Potts and Cuthbert being back in the midfield was was such an asset in that sense um both of them I thought had had really really strong games uh there but also just got to talk about LJ because so much of this game was about LJ and you know from the very start that like initial um finish is just such a nice finish and then the way she goes and runs away from our fans to celebrate in front of the United fans because they'd been booing her just before on the corner was absolutely exquisite I love how much she hates United it really makes me laugh <laughs> yeah the, the shithousery is on the next level with LJ and you know like she doesn't like she's, she's one of those players that doesn't show like 
overly show emotions. Like even when she smiles, it's like she's 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 uh, she's trying. But you could just tell she was fired up. And every time she scored a goal, it was like, okay, they keep going. And she was thriving on the boots from United. It's like every time they did, it's like, all right, fine, come again. I'll score another goal. Okay, cool. I'll score another goal. And I mean, the way she played was unreal. Like. She's just toying with the defenders there. Like every time she would turn in, out, in, out, and just didn't know where to go. Um, yeah, I, I found it hilarious whenever uh, she used to just turn around and go and celebrate for the United fans and 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 just kind of show them that look, you, you guys made a mistake. And here I am thriving at, at Chelsea. So yeah, LJ uh, LJ was was the one. Yeah, definitely. Um, great, great play for her. Um, just some Lauren James compliments before we, we talk a little bit more um, Sam CFC Central saying Lauren James is surreal I don't think a lot of people clock how rare it is to have a two-footed winger who can cause chaos on the ball enjoy heavy contact run beyond the last line and finish like that second goal and then laugh in the face of booing United fans complete package uh, and Ian Wright who knows a thing or two about scoring goals says to be so comfortable and controlled with both feet keeper has no chance elite Lauren James crown and I think what was interesting about this Abdullah and her performances we've obviously been talking about the LJ9 thing and we did see some of that again we saw sort of about half an hour of that um we can chat about that what we saw in the second half but this exactly felt like what we didn't have at West Ham was sort of her confidence to be in a role where she was allowed to roam wherever she wanted pick up the ball wherever she wanted she would be like behind Melly and Erin, and then suddenly she's up alongside JRK. Um, you know, for the second goal, obviously it's Bjorn's long ball over the top, and and she's the one running onto it, finishing it, scoring that goal that we seem to score against United every time version that we every time we play against them. But I felt like this just showed how much she thrives off freedom, and I think, I think the thing that's sort of going to be really interesting if this. LJ experiment as a nine continues and I think we probably haven't seen the last of it um, is is it possible for Chelsea to give her the freedom that she gets when she plays as a 10 uh, give her the like confidence and opportunity she gets because when you see her finish like that you understand why Hayes wants to play her there don't you because you're like she is an incredible finisher and right now she's scoring goals totally for fun but can you do that and have her in what potentially is more of a fixed role yeah, it was interesting. I think um, one of the things I think we need to caveat this with saying is Chelsea were already uh, a couple of goals up. I know it was 2-1 at the time, I believe, when Mia Fisher went off and Shukin Niskin came on. But I think the fact that Chelsea were thriving and I, and I felt like, I, I think I think the setup behind her is super important, right? You can have someone like Lauren James playing that, kind of like we talked about in the episode where we're talking about Sam replacements and how do you cope without her. You can play LJ up as a nine, but you need to then kind of almost reinvigorate and change the system behind it. And I feel like in a way, Chelsea did that, right? Shuk and Niskin came on, Aaron Cuthbert sits as the deepest lying midfielder, and then suddenly you have Shuk and Niskin who's dedicated to be running past um, Lauren Jades every single time. So she almost became like a de facto false nine coming in from a very advanced midfield position, right? And then you uh, that allowed Lauren James to kind of move away to the left, move away to the right, and kind of be away from having that fixed position when you have someone who's almost guaranteed to be making those runs and making those late runs and playing almost as the striker and the main target in in the box. When you have Kenner on one side uh, and then you have Gura right on the other side, yes, you 
the good thing is both of them are like Gura more so than Ed Canarid, but Gura is comfortable coming inside. So when Lauren does go out onto the left, Gura can come inside and almost support Nuskin, and you almost then have two false nines with an inside forward kind of coming in, and Canarid, if need be, will will kind of drive in, and then if you really want, you can have Leupold's kind of loitering on the edge of the box doing that. So I think the system works if you've got the certain players in place, and when you've got a, a deep runner, you can kind of play and kind of replace LJ in that fixed nine position because Shuka almost played like as like an eight and eight and three quarters because she was playing as a center midfielder protecting alongside Lloyd Paulson and Aaron Cuthbert. But then when we were attacking, she was getting into the box a lot. So it's difficult work and I think it needs a lot of stamina. It needs a lot of it needs a little bit of practice. But in theory, if me official nine needs a change or isn't working then you can play LJ that you just then need to kind of fix the system around which I think Chelsea did decently well in that game and um and they and they were able to able to do it and I think it also maybe helps that when you have Ashley Lawrence kind of at right back or even a Paris doesn't really matter you can do both because neither of them really do then end up pushing up you have one of them sitting in and you have Neve Charles kind of pushing in off the left which then allows uh, Guru to permanently play almost in an inside fixed position herself rather than then allow James to kind of do her thing on, on the left or right. Yeah, I, I feel like I think a little bit more negative than you about how it actually played out, but I will save my thoughts on that until, until we get into the, the second half. Um, Yeah, obviously the, the second goal for LJ, another just, she just smashes the ball into the back of the net, but yeah, once again able to run into loads of space because of the ball over the top from Bjorn, and basically in that entire first half, Abdullah, we looked, or at least in the first 35 minutes, we looked totally in control, and this is something uh, Hayes said afterwards, was that it's something that she's really wanted to prioritise with the team in terms of uh, helping them get to the next level, um, feeling like they didn't want to be a counter-attacking team anymore, feeling like uh, they needed to have that control, I guess, you know, especially, she didn't directly mention this, but I think it was easy to see she was thinking about sort of those European games. And there were definitely elements of that in this performance. My concern would be, and why I wouldn't go as far as Hayes did in terms of saying it was our best performance of the season, is the Hayley Ladd goal kind of comes out of nowhere. But I think United just sort of stepped up a bit more. They, were, they weren't like totally like rolling over. Um, JC starts peeling out wide. She manages to go past uh, Neve and uh, nice cut back. Kadisha gets a great block in, and then Hayley Lads sort of on hand to finish it off. And from that, it was like Chelsea struggled to regain control. Um, to a certain extent, it feels like that's kind of understandable because these things are like a work in progress, but is that was that a concern for you the way like Chelsea sort of dealt with? with having one goal back because it just felt like to me like we'd been playing against this team who couldn't get anywhere near us who looked absolutely rubbish we probably should have scored some more goals but it was like as soon as they scored even though we were still in the lead there was a bit of this sense of like oh United have scored like what what do we do now yeah it's it's a bit weird it's almost like when 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 Chelsea do concede it, they, they kind of like almost get worried. So what do we do? How do we get out of this? It's like, you are still two goals. You're still in the lead, like just calm down, you know, and, and kind of, and kind of play from there. And I think it's, 
it's something that maybe Chelsea need to to kind of work on this season because there are going to be many other games where they may be one nil down or they'll draw they'll be in the draw one one and I think I don't want to say this is exactly the problem but I I will say that to some extent I feel like the lack of maybe like the big personalities in that team may be the reason why there's not that sort of like maybe calm like when you had Penilla Harder, Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr, Millie Bright, Magda Eriksson. Let's take those five players a couple of seasons ago, all in the starting lineup. I don't think we struggled as much in terms of having control. I mean, control, we never had a problem with control, but I think when 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 things weren't going our way, those five players exuded calm and ex- and just kind of like, all right, we can do this, we can come back, we can win the game. And I feel like we're maybe missing a little bit of that. Obviously, Millie Bright's injured, so that's a big miss. And um Frank Kirby doesn't get on the pitch as much as uh, as much as um, you know we we'd like her to get on. So I th- I think maybe a little bit of that that calm presence in, in in the in the team I think is is missing. But you know for now the team's able to kind of get in and 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 sort of it's like it's like a few minutes 10, 15 minute spells of like you know, uh, having to cope with a lot of pressure. And then once they kind of get over that, they okay they almost feel like okay cool. We, you know, we we got over the the intense period, quote unquote, after they scored the goal. Okay, now we can go back to playing our natural game and kind of settle into it. You know, uh, it almost feels like in that period they become the counterattacking team that you know Hay says they want to move away from. And then once they get comfortable, they go back into being the control team and kind of playing as they are as they are. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think also you know, I do kind of feel like there are some things that have just been hard to deal with, like when. When you want to be a team that controls, but like like you say, like you're losing big personalities from across the pitch all the time. Um, that's tough, you know. That's tough to find those players who are who are ready to step up. And I do think that's something that like immediately it feels like Natalie Bjorn's um brought to the team, and um there was like a kind of interesting Magda comparison from Emma after the game in terms of like Magda coming to the club around the same age as Bjorn had and, and being able to sort of see her as a leader. And I thought um, it was an interesting thing because I do feel like that's something that like Carter and Buchanan just aren't really quite there with yet. Um, let's take a little break here though. And then when we come back, we'll, so- we'll sort of talk about what happened after the, the goal and um, Chelsea's changes and how they did kind of see out the rest of this game. I thought that in that half time would kind of give us that opportunity to reset. And it was interesting, Adela. Um, we saw Shukanuskan, it looked stripped and ready to come off in very long conversations with LJ on the touchline. Then LJ was having this really long conversation with Erin as well before the, the game restarted. But Nuskan didn't come on right away. And I liked this because it felt like Hayes knew that the team had lost something or that it wasn't quite right. Um, but she didn't go for the half-time sub. She gave it 10 minutes. And then we saw that change get made that we talked about. We saw Fischl come off. Nuskin came on to play as the 10. LJ went to the 9. I don't want to say it's personal growth because she's been a manager for far too long for that kind of thing. But I think it was the right call. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I think giving get one, you know, once you get into the half, I mean, unless it's going like extremely like wrong, like if I go back to the to the League Cup final against Arsenal last season, where Kankovic came off in like thirty six minutes, right? Again, 
you know, if you're really, really suffering and it's really, really bad and it's obviously not working, then I can understand a halftime sub or an early sub. But yeah, it wasn't really working, but it wasn't like we were losing. We weren't, we didn't lose the 2 0 lead and make it 3 2 in that first half, right? Then I understand and you make the changes and you go at halftime. Um, so I think going into the halftime break, there must have been some sort of team talk on on kind of, okay, let's give it 10 minutes, let's keep it thing, and let's see how this works. And I think the conversation would have been, let's see how this works for about 10 minutes. If we see some sort of, uh, you know, if if this works, if United respond in a different way, that kind of still keeps us stifled and, and Mia's uh, isolated up front, I think then we can um, we can change it, right? Because then you almost want to keep the ace up your sleeve by bringing in this this second alternate plan in maybe after 10 minutes seeing how the first half works and almost in a way see what united are doing and and kind of okay you have 10 minutes to assess what united have come out come back to do in in, in the second half to to chase the the equalizer and then you can then react according to that because if you bring on this can at halftime immediately when it's kind of still in the balance of the game and united's new system actually suits Fischl better in the in those first 10 minutes, then you kind of regret making the sub, right? So it's, it's almost better to make... Because you can always just... After three minutes, it's still horrible. You can make the sub after three minutes after halftime, right? It's not going to not gonna kill you if, if, if you if you do it three minutes later or 10 minutes later. So I think it was more to kind of suss out what United were doing, give me a kind of another chance to see how it works up front and how the system was going to play out. And it didn't work. You bring on... Uh, you move LJ to the nine, you bring on Shukunuskin in, in midfield. Yeah, and Emma said sort of afterwards, um, we knew they had to win the game, so they were going to push and they played a little bit higher. I thought sometimes we were a little careless in the deeper spaces and sometimes overconfident. We hung in during a tough moment of the game and then went on to get the third goal. I think that that was something that I felt that was interesting. I still think this Buchanan-Lawrence pairing looks amazingly like they've basically never seen each other before, which is so nonsensical given that they've been playing together for years for Canada. That definitely still feels like the side of the pitch that hasn't really... Well, I guess maybe to a certain extent, the defence bar um, need feels like it hasn't really been figured out in that sense. What what are you sort of making of... I guess I think everyone know, everyone has an opinion on Buchanan by now. I think we've seen what we've seen, and I don't know if that's going to change, but what have you made of Lawrence so far? We've seen in the past... Um, players like take their time to get up to speed both with the WSL and with how Chelsea want to play how Hayes wants to play um but Lawrence is getting like a lot of minutes but I feel like I'm still not entirely always sure what I'm looking at I I agree with you I, I think Lawrence just looks like she's just I'm trying to think of a way to put this because she looks like an experienced player on the pitch and she's playing like an experienced player on the pitch, but that's it. It's like she hasn't, she's, it's like, you know, you just, take an, you just take a player with experience, you put them in, they generally know what to do in games and big teams, but it doesn't seem like she's fully integrated into the Chelsea system so far. To be fair, it took... Um, it took Eve Perise almost the entirety of last season to do the same thing, and I know she's a little bit younger, but... It, it still took that time. And I feel like now Eve Parise is kind of integrated and she knows how the system works. And if anything, I would have probably given Eve Parise more minutes than Ashley Lawrence this season on the basis of the performances so far, right? Like, Ashley's been good and it's almost like Emma Hayes is almost forcing her to come good by giving her as many minutes as possible, right? Which we don't see very, very often. At one point, we saw it with Buchanan in the first season and eventually she just dropped her because it was... 
obviously the injury happened enough that she just never brought her back because it was just it was just getting worse and worse. And yeah, it's 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 weird how they both aren't very comfortable with each other. It's almost as if you say, yeah, we're right. They played together with Canada for so long, but maybe the system doesn't suit that. They don't suit the system. I'm, you know, I'm even going to go maybe, maybe for more for Buchanan and Lawrence, because I can, you can still hold the jury on Lawrence to give her a full season and let her come through and see how it goes. Maybe for Buchanan, maybe the system just isn't suiting her, right? Because when I, I feel like with Millie Bright in the side, when she did have those minutes, she looked a little bit better. But then when she got Jess Carter or anybody else next to her, she becomes the senior center back. And I have a theory that maybe the being the main center back doesn't work for her because you got to remember at Leon, she played next to Wendy Renard practically all the time, right? Because it was Mbok and Renard, and she used to come on. Mbok got injured, so she practically played with Renard for a back to end season and a half. And when Renard's your senior center back, the one making all the decisions and being the main playmaker, and she was playing around Renard, it makes it easier. And in that sense, Millie Bright is a very similar character to Renard in 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 the roles there. So I have a feeling that maybe Buchanan isn't suited to leading a defense rather than just being a more of a supportive role alongside maybe another more aggressive decision-making centre-back. And that's got to be my assessment so far because the best games that she's played is when the other centre-back has taken a lead role and she's kind of supported them. And in this case, if she's the oldest, most experienced member of this back four to an extent, then maybe that doesn't suit her focusing on her game what she has to do and i think maybe that is not sitting well with with lawrence and 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 it's not there because i think at least with eve paris say eve paris knows the system and we've talked about this before if you have three out of four players in a back four that are used to a system and you have to guide one to an extent it's easier than if two players are unsure of the system and in this case it looks like Two are sure of what's happening and two are unsure what's happening. In that sense, when whenever we see Jess and Neve play, there's a stronger, solid relationship and partnership there than if we see on the right-hand side when these two are playing. Yeah, definitely. I, it's it's going to be an interesting one, I think, to see um, how it gets figured out because even though we've now got, like, sort of an extra body in there with Bjorn and, you know, maybe is there will we see Carter and Bjorn play together more? I was quite surprised Carter didn't start this game, um, especially because I think Buchanan and Bjorn's profiles are quite similar in terms of, of what they want to do, especially when they, they get on the ball. Um, it's a, it feels like there are a lot of options there and, and a lot of things to figure out. And I think what's interesting is is tying it back into this whole idea of control, because this is why Hayes said she started Hampson, because she said that without Kerr, she feels like Chelsea can't play long as much, which I think is interesting because I think Fischl's very good with her back to goal, but it was almost like she was referring to it in terms of like running in behind, which I do think Kerr's good at doing as well. Um, But there's kind of two different ways, obviously, of holding up the ball. But because of that, she thought it was obviously more important to have a goalkeeper who was really good with the ball at the feet, and she feels like Hampton is the best of the three doing that. And I think that's probably, you know, fairly uncontroversial. I think most people would say that. I think the concern will be, you know, is Hampton shot-stopping at the level which makes that worth it? And, I mean, she made some great saves yesterday. So I think we all know she's got those saves in her locker, but it's very different to, to pull them out on a 
on a consistent basis. But I guess that's also another interesting thing to think about the choice of that defence is like, it, you know, are these players being played because of what they offer in possession? You know, is there something that there, there, there's that reason? And I guess, again, thinking of this control thing that I found interesting um, in terms of like maybe Perisay not playing is that often she's sort of been used obviously as this like quasi centre-back, but like also neither Ashley Lawrence nor Neve Charles like went forward super much and this was something I just generally found a bit strange I didn't think Chelsea had Ashley Lawrence got forward quite a lot earlier on in the game but as the game went on she sat back more and Neve didn't get forward that much and Guru came in a lot more and I don't know whether that's this feeling of like not wanting to have the centre-backs exposed potentially and you know we talked didn't we and when they were on the Morocco training camp about how we felt like sort of transition defence was a real issue that that they needed to work on and I, I don't know how much maybe this is an answer to to that I, I I think it's an experiment to see how it works right and I think that's why we saw Leupold's and Nuskin both push forward more than normal right when you only had um Aaron Casper or, or, or Leupold's one of them just sitting in in front of the defense and when you have the back four plus one it's easier to defend in transition than if you have just a 3v whatever rather than in this case you have a four or even a 5v you know whoever is coming forward and I guess that kind of ties in with the whole maybe LJ moving to nine because it's like you can afford to give a player a free roll in a, in a further higher position when you've got enough uh, defensive solidity at the back because you're not worried about the transition you're not worried about the space as much and I agree with you and I think Having the fullbacks maybe sit deeper allows Hampton to kind of be a bit more braver in possession and go from there. I mean, we've even talked about it in general about the England setup, right? When you had Roebuck starting and it was a period before the Euros when Serena was testing out Hampton, Roebuck and Erps as like who should start and each of them got a separate game and everything that everybody could see was Hampton was clearly the best ball player, right? Even for England, Hampton's always been the best ball player. And that game against Spain, where she kept that clean sheet, she had some great shot stopping in that game. But you're right about can she do it on a more consistent basis? That we can only tell if she plays a run of games, right? At this point, she's had two starts in two recent games in, in kind of in between. And in both games, I thought she did well. Once she kept the clean sheet, and this one, yes, the goal went in, but she made some really good top saves in in throughout the game. So I think I think there is a there's a really good goalkeeper there, and there's potentially a starting goalkeeper for Chelsea for at least 10 years. Uh, in Hampton, if we can answer the question of can she do it on a more consistent basis? Um, but kind of back to the back four, I'd be interested to see that if Chelsea wants to play with withdrawn fullbacks or with without playing the quasi centre back back three that they want to play with one fullback coming in, that I think then maybe Eve Eve would be just a little more suited to this role because. Yes, she isn't the quickest and she isn't there, but I feel like she's got better delivery from the wide areas and even deeper. And I feel like, again, she's she's more better suited and maybe better aligned with the system. And I feel like her positioning's uh, pretty pretty decent in general, just because I think she knows she's not as fast. She has to be positionally better. So I, I think I think I just prefer Eve right now in that right back slot than um, than I do Ashley Lawrence, and maybe moving Ashley out of the firing line for a bit will kind of maybe help her bring in uh, bring in a better game. I think also what we know as we talk through this stuff is Chelsea have a lot of games and there's going to be a lot of rotation and we already have players out with long-term injuries. So we're going to see a lot of everyone. And I think to that extent as well, you know, when 
Emma's talking about the lineup as being brave. That again feels like being about, you know, players have to turn up and play because everyone has to play, everyone has to pitch in. I guess it did sort of feel like I United had their chances. Um but I never felt like we were under the cosh. I think it's just that the game got a bit more open, whereas in the first half hour it was one way traffic. Yes, I, obviously Fischl comes off for Nuskin. I still feel like they didn't have the runs planned out. I, I understand what they wanted Nuskin to do, if like Nuskin was to be that player, in the same way that sort of it kind of looked like Aaron was maybe supposed to do that in the West Ham game. But to me, it just felt like Nuskin was having to cover too much ground and it didn't work when the ball was going out quickly to Wrighton and Canner Road and then there was no one in the box. And I don't know whether that's a case of circulating the ball differently, of asking Wrighton and Canarids to play cutbacks rather than, you know, fast crosses across the box. But there's still something there that doesn't totally add up for me. I will say I thought when Fran came on and played as the nine for like the last five, ten minutes, I liked that a lot, a lot more. And I don't know whether there's how much France selection is sort of minutes-based or um, quality-based. I think it's understandable that right now Lauren James is the first choice number 10 and everyone knows why that is and JRK is playing really well on the right and I think that that makes sense. But I would like to see her get more time as the nine because I just feel like her movement is a bit more structured than LJ's and that's not a slight on LJ or on Fran. I just think that's sort of the way both of them work and I think that's like that's fine. Um, because I just still think, even though LJ obviously did get her hat-trick playing as the nine and sort of being able to run off the back of um of the defenders to, to go through on goal and do a lovely finish again, for me, I'm still like... It, it's, it's less about... Well, it's both about how Chelsea look with it and also about, like, the version of LJ you get. Um, are you surprised we've not seen Fran get a proper go as the nine yet? Yeah, it's been interesting. I I I think one of my favorite and and options of playing as the number nine, I think, should be Fran Kirby. I think, in a way, it maybe even suits her. Right, if she just has to make, uh, excel, if she just has to make selected runs in a game in, in when when it's going in behind without having to drop deep as much. I think that I think it'll be better for her body, and I think she just understands positioning and space like nobody else. I think she's still one of the most underrated space interpreters uh, in football, and I think at Chelsea, I think just because we haven't seen her in so long, I think maybe people have kind of maybe slightly forgotten her quality. But I think I think Frank Kirby as the nine is probably our best option, just because I think she's done it more. She's done it a lot more in her career, and. It's worked. We've seen success with it. And um, we know that she can score goals. And arguably, after Sam Kerr, is probably the best finisher at the club. So I, I, w- I would love to see it. Um, you know, we've, we've seen the, you know, we've seen, we've seen the me official, you know, option now up front. While I think that's a good one going forward for most games because of her back to goal uh, play, I would love to see. Frank Kirby come up in the next couple of games and just kind of see how that system would work because I think that would allow Chelsea to play James and Fran almost next to each other and kind of in and around and that interplay I think would be really really interesting to see 
yeah definitely um i i would i would like to see it but um we'll see um Optojo saying lauren james become the first player to score a barclays wsl hat-trick against manchester united of course it would be her james has nine goals in her last five wsl appearances as many as her previous 40 beforehand really really feels like she's um getting going and i'm i'm loving it right now i'm loving her seeing her take that responsibility and i think it's super super exciting and i hope we can see more of that in the real madrid game um Anything from this match that sort of we haven't touched on? I think we've had quite a rambly conversation, I guess, in some ways. But it was quite it, it's quite a funny game. I think obviously without her, it feels like there's so much um, evolution that this team needs to do and has not much time to do it. So I think at the moment, my brain feels very like full of like all these different thoughts about like what Chelsea might be trying to do at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like every week and every game that we will come back and review, I think we're going to learn something new about this about this team. And I wouldn't be surprised if in like a few days or in like a week's time, we kind of go back on something that we, we said a week, an episode earlier, because we're like, oh, wait, hold on a second. If they did this last game, but they did this here. Oh, OK, so cool. They're trying this. They're doing this. They're doing this. And this suits them better. Right. So something that we say today, we could completely flip the idea in a week's time. And be like, well, actually, you know what? After seeing those last two games, you know, uh, X and X and Y happened. So it is interesting, and in a way, it's actually kind of it's kind of kind of good because now we get to see almost in Emma Hayes's swan song, song now. What can she do without her best player, and how does she take this team for? And then this would almost be an arguably almost top two WSL title wins if they were to go ahead and win it because the major chunk of the season now in the second half has been without your best player and your top scorer uh, in the last couple of seasons. And if Chelsea can manage to do this and figure it out without having bought another striker uh, and just using me official and whatever else is available, I think becomes a, a huge um, a hu- huge deal and, and, and to kind of, you know, reshape tactically and kind of adjust. Yeah, then I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not surprised that Casey Stoney, etc., have kind of not been in the running anymore. Because how do you follow up from from Emma Hayes doing this sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, interesting. It's going to be interesting from here because there's so many options and so many games, and it is kind of bonkers. Um, are you giving your player of the match to LJ? Because I am. It's kind of hard to argue with it. Yeah, you can't argue with it. It's got to go to LJ. It's too good. And I love the new hairdo, I, by the way. I love the new hair. Oh my god, the hair! <laughs> the hair was so good. I can't believe we're forty minutes into this podcast. We not talked about hair. It was so good. She looked awesome. I so nineties. Loved it. Was it a Chelsea so PR 90s. thing? Was it like it's so nineties and Chelsea bringing for the whole the retro uh, thing? Could be a PR thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, I was a big big no, fan sick. of that look. It was so I thought good. it was great. I great. Her hair always looks great. I can't lie. Um. Okay, so let's have a little look at everything else that happened everywhere else then. We are obviously still top of the league. Uh, Three points clear from City and Arsenal, who both won at the weekend. City were 1-0 down to Liverpool, but they won 5-1. Arsenal beat Everton 2-1 in a match which I thought they played okay in. Um, Other results, Villa beat Leicester 1-0. Brighton uh, had Elizabeth Turland late winner to beat Bristol City 3-2. And in the thriller of the weekend, Spurs beat West Ham 4-3. Um, Sam was there to watch 
Christy Mewis, and I kind of respect her for going to Dagenham rather than Stamford Bridge because that's true WSL heritage. You know, Stamford Bridge isn't WSL heritage yet, so it's fair enough. Um, yeah, so obviously top three sort of as it was. United and Liverpool are still on 18 points, uh, but they've been joined by Spurs. So fourth, fifth and sixth all have the same number of points. And then there's a six point gap from there to Aston Villa. Next up, Abdullah, is... Real Madrid. So we're back at the bridge on Wednesday. Uh, this game, if we win, we qualify. And I think if we win and the other game is a draw, potentially we go through top. I should have written it down. I didn't. Google Champions League permutations and UEFA have a really handy article um, which is worth taking a look at because not that I want to get ahead of myself because I like us all freak out about Champions League group stages uh, I have had a little look at who the second place teams potentially are do you think we see big changes in this game it's a really weird one because um, first and foremost fuck Real Madrid uh, this is the revenge <laughs> tour but second and second most um, Real Madrid are rubbish so they're already out of the Champions League. Yeah, and then you see, I, I bet you, Bjorn scores and just celebrates in front of the Real Madrid fans. We're going to have two back-to-back LJ and Lord Natalie <laughs> Bjorn. Like, you haven't even I played for the club. Love I would to love that. It's like, I haven't even played for the club, but you know what? I love this. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, Real Madrid, you know, not really in it right now. Chelsea probably need to win this and want to win it. It's weird. I don't think we see, like, crazy number of changes i think we'll see two three changes i see i think i think a lot of this team will, will stay i think we'll see changes in defense though i think i don't think while emma hay said is the best performance of the season i don't think she'll be too happy with the way the defense maybe overall performs so i think the most changes we'll see is probably there wouldn't be surprised if musevich comes in for hannah hampton and we see um eve parise come in for ashley lawrence and then jess carter come in for kadisha buchanan so um you know i, I think I, th- I thought you know just give me a word on bjorn again Coming in, a couple of games in, I think, you know what, really settled in really quickly and really well. And um, obviously there's levels to go for, for Natalie Bjorn. But so far, I'm I'm sort of impressed with the way she's been integrated and, and the passing on, on on Sunday, I thought was brilliant. So, yeah, I think I think we'll see some changes in defense. But overall, I think we'll see the rest of the similar team. Yeah, um, I, I, I think you could be right. It's going to be interesting to see if the goalkeepers do continue to rotate. I'm still not a big goalkeeper rotation fan um but it's what we said all season it's a lot of people to keep happy uh so maybe it will um i'm just hoping for a nice comfortable win because we have a load of games uh coming up real madrid also didn't play this weekend because it was the supercopa in spain and they got thrashed by barcelona in the semi-final so they weren't playing in the final so they've had a weekend off um they've had quite a mixed run of results so far this this year so I, I think everyone will be up for wanting a, a decent result against them, given what happened in that away leg. Uh, but yeah, so Real Madrid on Wednesday. Then we are away at Brighton, which I feel like I shouldn't still worry about because the curse seems to have lifted slightly, but I am still a little bit worried about. That's a Saturday 5.30 kickoff. Uh, head to Paris on Tuesday, an earlier kickoff that is that the normal, so it's 5.45 UK. Um, before we have Everton at home, late Sunday kickoff, Palace in the cup, and then uh, the Abdullah party game, City, yes. on Friday the 16th of Feb. So it's it's some tough fixtures 
coming up. Um, that Palace, it feels really crucial having a championship team for that Palace one, just so we get a little bit of a breather. Because five days between Palace and City is also crazy. Who yeah. knows why on earth these games have to be played on a Friday? It, it's totally bonkers. Um, but then the media will also do their sad pieces about, I don't know, ACLs and research. <laughs> and you think, um, okay, did you have to show our game on the Friday evening? Really? <laughs> really? Um, all right. But I think that wraps us up for today. So, Abdullah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was good. It was a pleasure. I will be speaking to you soon, I'm sure. And I'll be speaking to you, Chelsea fans, as well. But until then, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>